Welcome back, baseball fans, to Running the Bases. This is Tucker Wells, joined as always by Coach Jordan Bounds. Coach, how are you? Good, sir. Just great. Well, it's Happy good. holidays. Happy holidays to you, too, my friend. It's good to be uh, back on the diamond and off of the gridiron. We had a couple of special editions last week, having nothing to do with baseball, really. But we're back now, and winter meetings have begun today in full swing. And uh, let's talk Braves for a second. Our first big signing, quote-unquote, Nick Markakis, four years, 45 mil. How do you feel about the new right fielder? I, I like it. Uh, let me say, my son thinks it's awful, by the way. But, uh, Why I is think, that? Uh, well, I, I, that's too long to go into. Uh, but I, uh, I like it. I think he, uh, for... The next couple of years can be a leadoff hitter. His on ba- or a one or two hitter. His on base percentage is uh, fairly strong. Uh, maybe this next surgery he will give will, you know, that he's going to have is going to um, give him a little bit more pop. Uh, I don't know. That's not really a concern. Uh, he is, even though he's a Gold Glove. Uh, right fielder. I don't think he's as good as Hayward in right field. I think Hayward was uh, the best, but still he replaces a lot of that. An outfield of Gaddis, Upton, and Upton is gives me chills. Uh, you know, in terms of how poor chills not defensively. Goosebumps. Yeah, chills. <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh, and and kind of a cold sweat, uh, but. Uh, and, and so here, and this, if anything, it's a sign that we're going to do something else. Um, and uh, I, I I like the aggressiveness. Uh, this is emblematic of the aggressiveness that Hart is going about things. I, I like the way uh, what he has done to restructure our uh, farm system and scouting system, uh, particularly the international aspect of it. Uh, I'm, I'm really charged about this. Yeah. Well, right off the bat, speaking of Upton, we're talking Justin Upton, of course. Uh, his name got thrown around, I think, more than anybody's today for the first day of the winter meetings. So, um, you know, Seattle was uh, one that was mentioned as a, as, a, as a destination, as a trade partner. Where do you see Justin Upton going, or does he end up staying ultimately for another year? All right. A, I don't mind if he stays for another year and then we lose him and get a draft pick and, you know, we get his, uh, you know, his last season, which is always uh, kind of jumped up. Uh, the uh, I, I don't mind that. Uh, if I don't see him going, uh, sure, I'd love to see him get uh, for – him to be traded to Seattle for Tijuana Walker, but they're not going to do that with just one year control of Upton left. Um, the uh, I would love that. That would be the. Greatest. I would too. I'd be uh, all about that. Uh, but I really see him going to, if anywhere, to San Diego, who uh, is a team that wants to make a mark, uh, with a new general manager and a new president and everything there, uh, pitching for years. Right, right. And they they have lots of pitching, uh, and we're looking quite frankly toward 2017. Uh, Marcakis was a sign that we're not just giving up on the next couple of years. 
uh, however, um, the uh, our farm system was really depleted by the Wren era, and um, I call that I would say more the Wren Dark Ages, if yeah, you will. Really, whatever. Uh, <laughs> the uh, I really have to control myself not to say things uh, about that. Uh, but All of Braves Nation that's listening in right now is with you on that, yeah, I think. Oh, geez. Uh, but the, uh, so, I, you know, I, I, I like what, what's happening. I see Upton going to San Diego as much as anybody, but there are several teams that are in on it. Uh, I mean, I, I would love to see us get Tijuana Walker, you know, uh, from – Seattle and Seattle is pitching deep, but I think Seattle, um, I don't know that they're they really want Upton at this point. Oh, no, I mean, they've made all the moves that we predicted that you predicted more truthfully, and they've got plenty of hitting. And, um, defensively, I don't know, I, I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not completely up on this Seattle outfielder, but it's not like Justin Upton is a great upgrade in that department, so. Um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> this was floated out of complete ridiculousness, but, uh, Gaddis to Kansas city for, um, uh, Jordani, uh, why am I forgetting his name? The, the fireballer that probably won't happen. No, <laughs> uh, the, um, I saw that that was, uh, something, um, that why, why couldn't you remember Jordani's last name? That just... Uh, messed me up. Uh, For, it starts with a V, but uh, well, um, the uh, I, I don't. I really don't see Gaddis going anywhere. Uh, if he goes anywhere, I think it'll be the Rangers. Yeah. What about? I mean, if if uh, certainly if they trade Justin Upton, then you got to think there's no way that Gaddis would go anywhere. But do you think? No, that- I, I I could see him trading both of them uh, if we get another outfielder back in one of these things. I mean, we're uh, I think this is going to be the most active winter meetings since Milt Pappas was traded for Frank Robinson. <laughs> uh, Ventura, there you go, Jordano Ventura. Yeah, My apologies right. Right. To, to the Royals fans out there and Mr. Ventura. So. Um, well, uh, for the Braves moving forward, um, what do you think is going to be the, the fate of Beachy and Medlin come 2015, come spring training? Will they be in a Braves uniform or where will they no, be? No, I don't think so. Uh, and, and that's unfortunate. There may be the Braves, uh, it seems like, uh, they have a better chance of, restructuring a kind of two-year deal with um, with Medlin than it does Beachy. It seems like there are too many teams that are interested in Beachy. Uh, and the apparently the Yankees are interested in both. Uh, there are teams that, uh, and the Dodgers are interested in Beachy. And these are teams that can financially afford to keep a flyer uh, for a year and see if he comes back. Both of them had tremendous upsides as pitchers, but after two Tommy Johns, you don't know, you know. Uh, random trivia, who's the only pitcher to come back from three Tommy John surgeries? Oh, I have no idea. Nobody ever. No, okay. <laughs> um 
Well, looking at the rest of the league today, uh, the Indians acquire Brandon Moss. Uh, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about the Indians? They they have the uh, reigning AL Cy Young Award winner right now, a World Series champion manager. Um, pretty well-structured system there. What do you think about Cleveland now that they've acquired Brandon Moss? Um, first of all, uh, it, it makes me – what is Billy Bean doing uh, right now? I, I have no idea. Uh, the uh, the Indians probably are right now thinking more than anything else. Why are we paying so much money for Nick Swisher? Uh, the because uh, if we could uh, eliminate that salary for our you know our disabled DH, uh, we could really build a formidable team. Uh, I. I like what the Indians are doing. I've always seen the Indians and the Braves, no relation to the fact that they are both Native American mascots, uh, but as being similar organizations, you know, uh, similar markets and whatnot. Even though, I mean, there's no connect. I mean, what an absurd statement that just was. A similar market, Cleveland and Atlanta. Uh, hey, man, Cleveland rocks. So. I like Cleveland. I do like Cleveland. Cleveland has, Cleveland had the greatest our musical director uh, and the greatest symphony orchestra in this country's history. Uh, and Carl Zell, you know, in the Cleveland Orchestra, the greatest orchestra ever. Cleveland does rock. Oh, yeah. And uh, the Cleveland, uh, the music conservatory there, hand in hand, it's the most sought after. And it's the Harvard Law of music conservatories. There so. you go. Uh, and that's partially because of Carl Zell. Uh, but, and, and then they have the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, Cleveland does rock, you know, even though the, <laughs> the weather is, you know. Not so much. Lake Erie, (laughs) not the greatest. Well, yeah, I agree. I mean, Nick Swisher, I feel like, do you think that that players like Nick Swisher get larger contracts due to their personality? Is there such thing as a personality inflation? Like you see, you know, an agent could say, well, he's such a great clubhouse guy because Swisher across the board. Everybody in baseball loves his personality. Look, he was, he was in right Moneyball now, about right now, that very thing. The Braves are in the bidding with three or four teams for a 37-year-old uh, uh, backup catcher uh, who's played here before. And it's because he's primarily a great clubhouse guy. David Ross uh, does all of the intangibles. I... I don't just believe in the intangibles. I understand and applaud the intangibles. I want people like Brian Kinney to just go away. I mean, uh, these people that think that there are, uh, that the, that leadership and stuff makes no difference whatsoever, have never had any connection with a baseball team. If you've played on one, coached one, managed one, anything, you know that there are certain players that make a difference beyond their playing ability. Uh, David Ross is one of them. You know, he is going to, he's a coach on the field and stuff. Um, There, Casey Stingle, was asked once why, you know, how he always won. You know, they said, you, you know, Casey, you're no mental giant. Uh, the, uh, the, 
Yankees don't always have the greatest team. Uh, how, how do you always win? And he said, I never go into a game without my man. And his man was Yogi Berra. And Yogi might be the left fielder that day, which would make him like the worst left fielder in baseball. Or he might be the first baseman. Or, but, and often he was the catcher. But he was somebody that won the game, that figured out a way to win. And there are players that are just like that. Uh, and um, the um, so and, and that's the answer to your question. Uh, I mean, uh, is a Nick Swisher? He was really important for the, this Cleveland turnaround a couple of years ago, and uh, giving them kind of uh, a bravado that they didn't have. Well, I think about him on the 2009 Yankees. Um, you know, that that was a team that, you know, spent all this money on CeCe Sabathia and A.J. Burnett in that offseason leading into that year and Mark Teixeira as well. And, but yeah, when it came playoff time, it was like the two people you heard about the most were Swisher and then uh, Hideki Matsui for just having an, you know, an otherworldly World Series that year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I agree too. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the intangibles. I always thought for the Braves that Eddie Perez was about as... Oh, sure. He, he was important. But, I mean, and it doesn't have to be a backup and a backup catcher. Um, Chipper Jones uh, kicked players' asses. You know, he kicked Jason Hayward's ass. Said, what are you doing sitting here, uh, you know, sitting out? We need you in the lineup. Chipper Jones played half crippled all the time, you know, because he knew that his presence in the lineup was important. Um, there, uh, There's... If, the the people that say you know these intangibles don't exist, the Brian Kinneys of the world, just they don't know. They've never been close to the game. And what's so funny is that he's on MLB Network with Kevin Millar so much of the time. Right? You're gonna tell me Kevin Millar didn't have as much to do with the '04 Red Sox as you know Big Poppy? So, well, speaking of the Yankees, this is gonna be our our sort of first to third tonight. Um. They make a trade a few speaking days. Speaking of the Yankees, when were you speaking of the Yankees? But we well, yeah. just did 2009. I did. Okay. I did. Okay. I'll take credit for that. Talking right. about Swisher and whatnot. Oh, oh so. there you go. There you go. There we go. All right. See, it's all full circle. It's all running gotcha. the bases. You all see, right. home first, second, third. Gotcha. Home. Here we are again. So um, on uh, uh, last week, late last week, the the Yankees do a three team trade for uh, the big piece that they get is shortstop uh, DD. Gregorius. Uh, <coughs> Coach Bounds, who is D.D. Gregorius? Well, he's a shortstop that's going to be replacing Derek Jeta, uh, at least temporarily. Uh, yeah, he's he's an all right ball player. He's an all right ball player. What has uh, happened to the Yankees? When you look at their roster right now, um, what, what do you make of it? Their entire look. starting staff is crippled for the most part there who is their anchor who is their leader what has happened to the new york yankees it's really simple it's i mean the and it's elementary when you think about it is that their owner died uh he would have never let this happen he would have spent money 
on uh he would have bought Lester and Scherzer there was there he would have thrown so much money at them that I mean Steinbrenner's kids have no conception uh George Steinbrenner uh would have never let the Yankees diminish that way he just kept throwing more and more money at things and he had the money to throw at it the Yankees right now are awful to cover up that problem. Um, a rotation of Tanaka, Scherzer, Lester, uh, and who to Sabathia, and uh, whoever else they would go out and buy right now uh, would be formidable. Um, you know, and that's that's the difference. They don't have a farm system. Uh, they never had one when Steinbrenner was alive. Uh, he just bought everybody, but they're not doing it now. They, they're trying to stay underneath the, the salary cap, for goodness sakes. Well, I mean, you know, the, you still have Cashman in place. And Cashman came along under Wilson back in the day, who in that in that very brief window when Steinbrenner was suspended and wasn't allowed to be around the team, they did have a, a farm system for a minute. They they At least they got the Jeter, the the Jorge Posada and the Pettit and the Mariano Rivera out of the it. The core so, four that came up, they were able to hold on to because uh, they had the money to spend. To right. My, my point being is that if you're Brian Cashman right now, do you think what where is his motivation in all of this? Because he's a holdover from working for the boss. I, I don't think... Uh, is he uh, is he I any good at all at building a team at all or no, no? We have no idea. We have no idea. He's always been able. He he's never had to do it. He, I mean, he's always been given like a blank check and said, "Go out and get everybody that's good." Uh, that's not. <laughs> that's not. There, there's no track record there. You know. Yeah, I hear you. you know, he did go out and sign everybody for more money than anybody else offered. You know, that's not a real accomplishment. Well, no. I mean... He did get to Shara for almost twice as much money as anybody else offered. He did get Sabathia for $100,000 more than anybody offered. Yeah, come on. What did he do? He'd, I mean, I'm not I mean, saying he's bad, but, you know, they're saying, like, go ahead and get anybody you want, you know, or anybody wrote, that that is of value, anybody that's in the press, anybody, you know, jeez. <laughs> Can you remember in your lifetime a Yankees team similar to this? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And and, uh, and, and, and what, what, what era was that? In after 1964, the Yankees fell off the cliff. I mean, uh, 64, the, in the World Series against the Cardinals, uh, you, it became very apparent that the Yankees were no longer a dominant team. And in 65, they were awful. I don't know where they finished, 8th, 7th, you know, something like that. They were, they were a really bad team. And within a year, they had Roy White playing center field. Uh, you know, uh, Horace Clark. And I mean, these are not exactly great Yankee names. It's not until the late 70s. So there was a decade, uh, over a decade, where the Yankees were awful, were just awful. I mean, in 67, one of the greatest uh, 
pennant drives ever. I, I remember there was like in the last week, there were like four teams tied for first. Uh, the Tigers, the Red Sox, the Twins, and I think the Orioles. Uh, and the uh, I mean the Red Sox went uh, on and eventually won that. That was a Lonborg, and that was a Yastrzemski year. Uh, but the Yankees weren't even there. They're like in, uh, and this is with, before division play. Uh, they're they're finishing seventh or eighth place. I mean they're awful. Uh, so yes, I do remember. 1967, they went 72 and 90. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, um, I mean, in that time period, how often were they on television? Uh, I don't know. I mean, they had they were owned by CBS for a while, right? Uh, so uh, they were on pretty often. Uh, you know, the CBS Game of the Week. Uh, they were on like every night. Uh, I mean, or every Saturday. Um, how, but I mean, baseball wasn't on television anywhere near like what it is today, you know? Right. I mean, we don't, we we didn't have yes networks and stuff like that. Well, as a avid Yankee hater that you are, and of course a fellow Yankee hater that I am, do you hate the Yankees right now or do you just feel sorry for them or indifferent? (laughs) I will never feel sorry for the Yankees. (laughs) Uh, now, uh, and let me say um from 1964 to about 19 the late 70s that was not a particularly good time for baseball now there were some times for me the 67 and 68 uh seasons were uh i i really liked uh i mean there were seasons in there that i as a uh baseball aficionado I, I was attracted to, but they weren't particularly good for baseball. Baseball needs the Yankees to be, uh, you need, I mean, you need to have a common enemy. Uh, now, I do believe that the Red Sox have become the evil empire and people just haven't realized it. Uh, and, and people <laughs> seem to have the same sort of uh, affection toward the Sox as they do the Cubs and, you know, and all these these lovable teams, you know. Oh, and they got the green monster and everything. Like they're, they're paying $50 grillion to buy a team. Uh, and, and I think the Red Sox have become the Yankees of the past. But I think, but people haven't realized it. And they're, and, and I'll say something else. You go to other countries, and nine out of ten baseball hats that you will see worn by people in other countries are Yankee hats. Uh, you go to Greece, and nine out of ten baseball cats, caps will be Yankees. And you go to Italy, and nine out of ten baseball caps will be Yankees. The other one will probably be a Red Sox, but... Why well, I'm uh, full <laughs> in full throat about how, um, and it took me a long time to really appreciate this. I had to grow up as a sports fan, really. Um, that yeah, we need the Yankees to be um, formidable. Um, 
I uh, I think the same about like the Lakers and the Celtics in basketball, um, in football the Cowboys and the Giants. You know, um, Giants really? You think they're just because well, they're, they're in like, New York? It, just because they're in New York. I mean, to me personally, but you know, um, uh, it's certainly the Cowboys. I guess you could throw the Steelers in there as well. They're kind of the, you know, the for, forever you know annoying fan base that just thinks they're the greatest ever. Um, but you know, I, I, I don't know what it, it takes it with this ownership to write that. I mean, would, would you ever see the Steinbrenner selling a franchise that is worth billions of dollars and has that exact marketing value that they are nine of every 10 caps you see in any country outside of the United no, States of America? No, why would they? I mean, they're yeah. making, you know, money hands over, you know, uh, the Yes Network and everything else has made, I mean, they make billions out of it. It's, you know. Do you think that there is any fathomable way, let's say that the Cubs, now with Joe Madden, this this ridiculously stocked farm system and, 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 and then seemingly endless supply of capital coming in from the Wrigley Field renovation and so forth, let's say they start winning championships, they break their curse and they start winning multiple championships. Do the Cubs go from lo- lovable loser to uh, m- uh, evil master of the universe? Could you ever see them taking on the role of what the Red Sox are now? No. Really? <laughs> really. Uh, as long as they play that many day games, which uh, messes up the chemistry. Uh, if you need to play at your optimum uh Regardless of the sport, you need a certain kind of regularity in your physical chemistry. And that the Cubs play so many day games pretty much eliminates that. Well, we're speaking hypothetically. So you don't think, so before I put the cart before the horse, you don't see the Cubs ever becoming that ever. Ever? Well, as, no. as presently constructed, like as let, pre- let's just I look mean, as the- long as they play as many day games as they do, they will never be a really uh, the top team. They'll never they'll never see the success like the Red Sox have found. No, in the no, last no, ten years, no, no, not even I mean, with Madden. Not even if they sign a a Lester or a David Price in a year from now to anchor that ro- young rotation. The only way that they can is if the Phillies continue to uh, grow a lot of prospects, uh, because the Cubs have the their only success is when they've come from trading people uh, and getting a young Ferguson Jenkins for nobody or getting Ryan Sandberg as a throw-in, and these have always come from the Phillies. Uh, the, you know, I mean, if they can trade Larry Boa for Ivan De Jesus and have Ryan Sandberg as a throw-in, uh, you know, the player to be named later, if they can do this continually on a regular basis, then the Cubs can be successful. Only then, uh, the uh, it's going to take idiocy on the part of other major league teams that the cut physically you can't suddenly perform well at two o'clock in the afternoon and then the next day perform 
well at 7.30 in the evening. Are you basing this on the amount of alcohol consumed between the end of that day game and the start of the night game? Although I have had a, and I'm not going to mention his name, a former major league player tell me that uh, it is very difficult for a major leaguer not to become an alcoholic because uh, you, after you, you go back to the clubhouse after a game, you have a few beers, then you go back to the hotel that night, have a couple of drinks and stuff. And before you have completely unwound by about 2 o'clock and gone to bed, you've consumed a tremendous amount of alcohol. Uh, and this is on a regular basis to help you get to sleep. So, and goodness knows, uh, the Cubs have more of a problem with that. Even though you have idiots, uh, oh God, goodness knows. I don't even want to finish that statement. I'm not going to finish that statement. <laughs> You've already indemnified yourself enough. Yes. All I right, have. so so I'll, I'll, so the Cubs, 0% chance of ever becoming a perennial title winner and then thus becoming lovable loser to evil empire esque but they will win a, a world series sometime but right it, it's that was just, where i was getting yeah to. i mean as sometime they will yeah it will will it be with joe madden let me ask you this uh, well he's a perfect guy <laughs> and he kind of looks like a billy goat <laughs> so he, he's the perfect guy yeah. well coming into home here uh you know what do you expect by the end of the winter meetings and let's start with where does john lester sign um I think he's going to sign with the Giants. Yeah. Okay. And uh, other big moves uh, beyond that. Scherzer won't sign until the end of February. Uh, And he's going to, unlike most Boris agent or or Boris people, he's going to end up signing back with the Tigers. Uh, That's a shift in your... In your beliefs? Yes, it is. But uh, looking at the landscape now, uh, I think the Tigers are holding this as their wild card. Uh, they're saying, look, yeah, we're going to go ahead and sign him for a grillion dollars if we need to. We'll get him. Um, well, that uh, <laughs> Illich, <laughs> after signing uh, Victor Martinez, uh, which he got a lot of heat about how much money he's spending <laughs> at the news conference, he checked his wallet and went, yeah, I still got a couple of 20s in there. I'm good to go. <laughs> I'll be all right. So Scherzer back to Detroit. Any big trades that you see in oh, your crystal yeah, ball? Yeah, I think there'll be a, a bunch of trades, I think. Uh, Upton will be traded. Uh, that could be the biggest one coming no, into this. No, I think Hollis is, uh, you know, from Philadelphia is going to be traded. And I think uh, he may Hamels. Come, uh, Hamels. What do I say? Hollis. Hollis. I don't know uh, a Hollis. I don't know a Hollis. Either, Might have gone but, to school with one. Uh he could have been on your dry cleaning route. The uh, Hamels, uh, I think, will end up a Yankee. Uh, and nobody's saying that, but I think that uh, the Yankees are going to have to do something. I'm sorry. Uh, well, they're going to have to hit eventually, and they're going to have to have pitchers who can stay healthy. And we can close with that. So this new uh, gregarious shortstop, or however, um, how long is he the shortstop for the New York Yankees? For the New York baseball Yankees. Oh, I don't know. They, uh, the Yankees are so crippled by having A-Rod and all these different contracts. Who knows? 
I, I, I'm not going to go. He's not their shortstop longer than two years. There you go. And I will have fun pointing at them and laughing for however long we get to enjoy their, their mediocrity. So, well, thank you as always to all of you listening out there on soundcloud.com and, or downloading us on iTunes. Uh, be sure to like the Facebook page and follow us on Twitter at running the base coach. Good to have you back, my friend. And uh, we will see you again next week. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, folks. Coming into home. Have a good night. Good night.